Welcome to the MDS podcast, the official podcast of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. I am Sarah Camargos from the Federal University of Minas Gerais, Brazil. Today, we are going to listen to Dr. Vrutamba Shah, the lead author from the recent published paper on Movement Disorders Clinical Practice Journal, The Effect of Levodopa and Environmental Setting on gait and turning digital markers related to falls in people with Parkinson's disease. Dr. Shah is a research engineer from the Balanced Disorders Lab, Department of Neurology, Oregon Health and Science University. He is also a lead biostatistician at Clario. Thank you, Dr. Shah, for your time. And please, Tell us a little bit about your work in the laboratory of gait and how did you come with this specific question about faults in PD patients according to the state of levodopa medication? Yeah, thank you for the good introduction, Dara. So my main area of the work is on applying machine learning and statistical analysis to identify the digital biomarkers of gait and balance in people with Parkinson's disease that we can use for clinical trials. So fall is really a major source of disability in Parkinson's disease, and that leads to hospitalization, burden of cost, additional health costs, and then also that will lead to reduced quality of life. So I think understanding fall from a balance and gait perspective is very important, especially when we have different drug effects. And it's also a multifactorial problem. So according to literature, people with Parkinson's disease, they fall almost eight times more than healthy controls of similar age. So it's people with Parkinson's disease, they are at higher risk of falls. So that's how I started to understand what we can understand from a medication point of view, because most of the people, they have off levodopa stage, on levodopa stage, and generally during the daily life, they are mostly on stage, depending upon how optimized the drug dose is. So we wanted to investigate what are those effects and then what are the different gait and balance parameters that are significantly contributing to discriminate fallers and non-fallers. So that was our aim. Perfect. Dr. Shah, why is studying these patients in different scenarios, for example, in the lab or in daily practice? Yeah, so generally in a lab or a clinical setting, we ask subjects to do only like single task or dual task, but it's very focused environment. So in the lab, everything is very focused. It's not like our daily life, which is we walk on the road, we might get in something like a bump or a dog, to our way and then we need to adapt accordingly. We might be walking over phone and then crossing the road, which is not possible in the lab or even in the clinical setting. So daily life is kind of reflecting how your daily actual working activities is happening. But in lab, it's kind of reflecting what is your best performance. So we see that it's kind of having a white coat effects. So where you will tend to perform better if somebody's always looking for you or if they want to observe how much or how better you want to perform. So compared to if we have only normal daily activity, you don't even care about what other people are looking. You just do your normal daily activity, which could be very slower compared to when you do your activity in the lab. So that's the main difference. And less focus. Less focus, yeah. 
and there is maybe more tendency to fall. Yep. So, Dr. Shah, please, most of us are not so familiar with these sensors. Could you please walk us through the sensors? Are they comfortable? How they work? Yeah. So, that sensor is very similar to we have like Opel sensor. So, that's inertial measurement units basically. It has accelerometer, gyroscope, and magnetometer. And that is developed by APTM Variable Technology, which is acquired by Clario now. So it's a part of the Clario company. So it is being used for a lot of clinical trials and more than 500 studies from an academic setting. So when we talk about the daily life, we have a very similar sensor. It's called the instrumented socks or it's a smart socks which is similar to your ankle wrap. The sensor is wrapped around your foot and ankle, and we have a Velcro to adjust the size. So basically, it's the same sensor with the same configuration, but it's in different form of factors. So it becomes a lot more easier to wear 8 to 10 hours a day compared to if we just want to have a sensor of the foot in the clinic. So that is still on the R&D stage. We are planning to put into the market very soon. Very interesting. And I understood that these patients were using these wearable sensors for one week and at least eight hours a day, yep. right? Yes, that's correct. So, wow. But did they have a good compliance using this in your research, all of them? Yeah, definitely. This is the third or fourth iteration of the smart shocks. So we had gradually increased on the compliance. We are subject to VR for seven days. And so far in our data, we have seen on an average at least six to 6.5 days and at least nine to 10 hours of data. So that's a pretty good of compliance in terms of wearing continuously. Yes, very interesting. And did you predict some falling in some patient or did you find some patient falling with the sensor? Can you see when a patient falls with the numbers of your sensors? Yeah, so that is still what needs to be done in that area. We haven't figured out just by looking at the sensor data, can we predict the fall? Because that is a lot of interest in current direction and it might lead to a lot more false positive. So we need to look more into the raw data and then see if we get significant kind of a pattern that we can predict. But so far we have worked on based on the fall history and trying to use some of the measures to predict the future falls. Yes. It's important to mention that patients from both groups, you were comparing patients who fall and patients who doesn't fall. Both had a similar UPDRS both had same age, time of disease, and levodopa dosage. Did you thought of studying postural abnormalities in these groups? Yeah, we do have that information, but we did not find that also to be significant between those groups. We had a lot of other clinical scales that we used to get those, so even we had the PIGD subscore that was not significantly different between the groups. Tell us a little bit about your results in both lab scenario and in daily life. Yeah, so to start with, we had 17 non-fallers and 17 fallers, and we have three scenarios. In lab, we have two scenarios. One is on levodopa and off levodopa stage, and the third stage is the daily life. So when we looked at in the lab, we find that none of the gate measures that we looked at was significantly on levodopa stage. 
but in contrast we find that the turning measures and the gate speed variability measures that were significantly different in a off-lured stage. So that was most important because that kind of gives a suggestion that if we want to analyze or even identify the followers, it might be a lot more useful if you can evaluate the patient in off-lewodopa state and not on lewodopa. So that was the first finding. And the second one, from the daily life, we do find that turning variability is the most discriminative between followers and non-followers. So again, turning is what we are finding consistently. Turning seems to be most abnormal in people with Parkinson's disease and also now continuation with the followers also. So that was our main results. Very interesting. So turning is a very consistent measure which discriminates followers from non-followers. And did these patients have freezing off gait? And if so, did the sensors have the ability to distinguish between freezing and the number of steps in turning? Yeah, so we did have freezing off gait subjects in that also, and we looked at that. That score was not also significantly different between followers and non-followers. So we looked at the new freezing of gate questionnaires. Based on that, we identified whether, whether subject is freezers or non-freezers. But we did not find a difference between that kind of interacting with the followers and non-followers. And with the sensors, we use something called freezing of gate ratio from the sensor data. And we have a separate results. And this published now. It's open source code that we use to identify freezers versus non-freezers versus non-freezers just based on the variable sensor data. So the sensor has the ability to see the freezing of yep. gait of the patient mm -hmm. and how this disability can impact on falls. Yeah, generally we tend to see as the people we has freezing a lot, you know, a higher chance of falling because they are almost like at the tripping stage. But in our data set, we were not able to clearly figure it out whether that is leading to the falls, basically. Because we had the similar number of fallers and freezers and non-freezers in both of the groups. So it's kind of difficult to figure out when we don't have that information. But I think that's a really important direction to investigate. Perfect. So what are your next steps and how do you plan to translate this research to the clinical practice? Yeah, sure. So I think based on this preliminary results, I think the next step is to find out whether this is generalizable enough in a large cohort of the study. So we are collecting a large study with the followers and non-followers, almost like 60 to 100 subjects. So next one is to apply the same analysis and see if we get the similar results. If that is the case, then it's a strong suggestion that it might be useful to evaluate the patient in the hop stage compared to on stage. That might be even useful for a clinician to know that they might get a better understanding about followers and non-followers if they evaluate the patient in the off-state. So that is the one. And then next thing that we want to do is kind of build a multi-model for this assessment based on this and prospectively validate on the larger cohort to see if all this model is kind of giving similar results. So in that case, we can build the confidence and then suggest that the variable sensors and the digital measures of gait and balance can be used to predict the future follows. So in the future, maybe we have some very good data about the followers and non-followers. And how can we examine these patients in a better scenario to predict these falls? 
So as ER study points, a very good measure should be an off stage and especially when turning. Is that correct? Yes. Perfect. Thank you very much for all your time and for your study. And we have learned a lot of you. I hope the listeners read the paper and had some insights about falling and turning. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society or their affiliated journals, Movement Disorders and Movement Disorders Clinical Practice. Any disclosures of the participants can be found within the episode description located on the MDS website.